The Buffalo Bills signed Ed Oliver to a four-year, $68 million contract extension, and I'm breaking it down from every angle today on Locked on Bills. You are Locked on Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, we're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Well, folks, we got a big old piece of news over the weekend, and that is Ed Oliver, Buffalo Bills defensive tackle, signing a contract extension with the team, a four-year, $68 million contract extension, $45 million guaranteed. It's a big chunk of change for Ed Oliver, a big commitment to him as one of the pillars of the Buffalo Bills defense. Now, when you factor in the fifth-year option that Ed Oliver is playing under, I guess you can look at this as a five-year million contract, which makes it an average annual value of $15.75 million over five years. If you want to just focus in on the four-year $68 million contract extension, it's $17 million per season in new money. And so today on the podcast, I'm going to break down this deal from every angle. We'll start with a lot of the nuts and bolts type stuff to get the conversation, and then I'll get very reactionary with you as we move along and let you know exactly how I feel about this deal. But at Oliver, 25 years old, he turns 26 in December. So I'd classify this as his, his age 25 season. Again, the bills made him the number nine overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft, a draft that was loaded with defensive tackles, Quinn and Williams at Oliver, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons. There's a lot of good defensive tackles coming out of that draft. And the Bills got Ed Oliver at number nine, has been a four-year starter for the Bills defense. He's only missed three games. All of them came last year, so a durable football player. So Ed Oliver now ranks 13th among NFL defensive tackles in terms of salary through the lens of average annual value. It's an expensive contract for Ed Oliver, but it's also fairly reasonable when you consider it that way. Right now, he's the 13th highest paid defensive tackle in the league. And I've talked a lot about Ed Oliver on this podcast. And I've repeatedly said that I believe that Ed Oliver is a good quality NFL starting three technique. Do I wish he was more consistently dominant? Yes. But there's no denying that he's a quality starting NFL three technique. And so 13th seems pretty fair. 
If you say, wow, he's a $17 million a year defensive tackle, then you may think, wow, that's a lot of money for him. But if you look at through the lens of, okay, this stacks up to him being 13th, I think it's a pretty fair number for him. Now, this defensive tackle market has seen a major boom this offseason. You've had some massive contracts going to defensive tackles. In fact, we all know Aaron Donald is in a world of his own as the highest paid defensive tackle in the league. But since the start of the new league year, we've seen a new second highest paid, third highest paid, fourth highest paid, and fifth highest paid. Jeffrey Simmons became the second highest paid with his four-year $94 million extension. He's with the Titans. Deron Payne with the Commanders became the third highest paid at four years, $90 million. Dexter Lawrence with the Giants became the fourth highest paid at four years, $87.5 million. And then Javon Hargrave with the 49ers coming over from the Eagles. He signed a four-year, $84 million deal that makes him the fifth highest paid defensive tackle in the league. And that doesn't even mention the Browns signing Dalvin Tomlinson, four years, $57 million. And now the Bills with Ed Oliver, four years, $68 million in new money. And that doesn't get into the coming soon defensive tackles. Quinnen Williams is going to get paid very, very soon from the New York Jets. And I'd expect that deal to be around $25 million a season. And then Christian Wilkins with the Miami Dolphins, they're going to want to get him locked up as well. And so once I think those deals come through, Quinton Williams and Christian Wilkins, both I would expect to be higher than where Ed came in. You know, Ed Oliver is probably a couple months away from being the 15th highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL. You've also got some good defensive tackles right now in the league on expiring deals like Grover Stewart with the Colts, DJ Reader with the Bengals, Zach Sealer also with the Dolphins, Malik Collins. Those guys are going to get paid pretty handsomely in the next few months as well. So Ed Oliver gets a big chunk of change, and he's paid in the teens in terms of average annual salary. Now, one of the big talking points for this contract extension for Ed Oliver is the cap savings, right? Did the Bills free up some cap by extending Ed Oliver? And we don't know that answer definitively, but it's pretty safe to assume the answer is yes. One of the big talking points surrounding Ed Oliver this offseason is bad and that he's paying, playing on this fifth-year option that puts his cap figure at a firm $10.75 million. And surely that was impacted by the extension that the Bills gave Ed Oliver. That's going to lock in Ed Oliver, obviously, for a number of seasons, but give the Bills some much-needed cap relief right now. Prior to the extension, the Bills had $1.4 million in cap space available. That's it. Hardly any. And so you would think that the Bills use this opportunity not only to lock in a player that very clearly they're comfortable with, but also give themselves some cap relief. And there's been a lot of speculation about what that cap relief could be for. Of course, DeAndre Hopkins 
is a name that we've talked a lot about over the last several months, especially recently with his release coming from the Arizona Cardinals. Dalvin Cook is going to be out there. I don't think the Bills are going to be in on Dalvin Cook. I expect him to sign with the Dolphins. I think he may have kind of exceeded his prime now. He had a rough season last year. And then could it be for an edge rusher? And maybe maybe something's true there. Maybe they do go after DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe they do go after one of these veteran edge rushers. But I'll be honest with you, I think it's more likely that any cap relief that would come from this deal, and you can think maybe it's three to six million dollars in cap relief giving the bills four or five million dollars in total cap space available right now that that cap space that's been created exists so that they have some cap space to function in season. The Bills need about $5 million, or any team needs about $5 million to function for in-season moves. The Bills are at 1.4. So my immediate reaction to the potential and assumed, I think safely assumed, cap space that's been cleared up from this deal is, well, They had to get some cap space to just be able to function in season for the inevitable transactions that are going to come. And so we could talk ourselves into some other player being added, but I think most likely it's for the ability to function in season. All right, I got a bunch more to talk about here. A lot of analysis coming your way next as I really let you know how I feel about this deal. But first, I do need to tell you about FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. What do I love about betting over at FanDuel? Well, they have great promotions every day. It's a safe and secure, easy-to-use app. You get paid instantly, and there's so much that you can get in on right now. It's the, uh, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball season is in full swing. They got tons of great football's futures bets that you can check out. There's simply no better place to get in on all these sports action than America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, let's... um look at this more analytically. We focused a lot on the what in the first segment, and now I really want to break down how I feel about this contract. And the first place that my mind goes is to the way we felt about Ed Oliver coming out of the 2021 season. And that was the moment in time where the Bills had to decide on whether or not they were going to pick up the fifth-year option for Ed Oliver And at the time, it was an absolute no-brainer. We saw him took a major step forward in year three, and everybody was really satisfied with the trajectory of the player. And then last year, it got derailed a little bit, starting in week one. He had an ankle injury in week one in that Rams game, and then he missed the next three games. Comes back, has a calf injury. You could tell he's not fully right. Then he has a pectoral injury week 14 against the Jets, and he just kind of played hurt all year. And we didn't necessarily get to see Ed Oliver 
build off of what we thought the 2021 season was, which was a breakout. So he certainly had plenty of dominant moments, right? We all remember the Lions game and a lot of big flashy moments, but never quite the dominance that we all wanted for him or from him as a you know former top 10 pick and you know the the athletic ceiling that exists and all the hype that's been around Ed Oliver. But coming out of 2021, it was really good. And so that's really where my mind starts. I also want to reflect on the percentage of snaps that Ed Oliver has commanded over his first four seasons. In 2019 as a rookie, 54% of the snaps. 2020, 54% of the snaps. 2021, up to 58%. And then last year, 60%. And I think that's a good place for him. I think him getting across that 60% threshold is a is a good spot for Ed Oliver. You want him as a player now that you're really committed to, but you really always have been. He's the top 10 pick. You know, this is a, a key pillar of your defense. And so to see him command a, a large volume of snaps relative to the way the Bills rotate is a good thing. I also want to bring up his pass rush productivity metric here. And this is a PFF metric that measures pressures on the quarterback uh, created on a per snap basis with weighting towards sacks. 2019, uh, Ed was 5.2 was his pass rush productivity score. That put him 22nd in the NFL amongst defensive tackles. 2020, it was 5.5. That was 18th in the league. 2020, remember the breakout year, 6.1, eighth in the NFL, top 10. And then last year, as he found himself injured and playing injured a lot. It was down to a 5.4, just 23rd in the NFL. I did a film study and an entire episode on Ed Oliver back in April. And so you you can go back and listen to that. Uh, But I want to kind of give you a, a quick synopsis of my film notes from studying him. And these notes come from an in-depth watch or in-depth rewatch of Minnesota, New England in week 18, the Miami wild card win. And what you can really tell when you watch Ed Oliver play is that he's got outstanding functional athleticism, right? First step quickness is outstanding. He gets off the ball rapidly, suddenly fires into the neutral zone and puts a lot of stress on interior offensive linemen to stay in front of him. He's extremely flexible. He can change directions. He's got exceptional lateral movement skills. He can torque and contort his body and slither through gaps and get into the backfield. He plays with great energy. His motor is always cranked. His pursuit effort is outstanding. This guy plays like his hair is on fire. Um, For a smaller defensive tackle, right, he's sub 32-inch arms, 280s is where he's going to weigh. You know, he's a guy that does well to hold his own exchanging power with guys that are typically 20 to 50 pounds more than him um, on the interior offensive line, the guys that he's going up against. And so I've found myself very impressed with his pad level, his low center of gravity, his dense build, and how that holds up in the trenches for an undersized defensive tackle. It's not like you watch Ed Oliver and you see him getting rooted out of gaps. He's a good run defender. And the other thing that I really noticed when I watched his tape was just an appreciation for the amount of attention that offensive lines pay to him. He gets a lot of double teams. And, you know, not that he's always – the best at holding his ground against two blockers, but he does command that type of attention frequently from offensive lines. When it comes to areas of growth that I would have liked to see from Ed Oliver, well, the first thing's not somewhere that he can grow, and he just lacks length. He doesn't have a ton of arm length. 
And so that creates some challenges with clearing his pads. I, I've put it as he kind of has to work overtime to get hands off of him, right? Playing O-line, D-line in the NFL is about winning hand battles and being able to control blocks. And Ed Oliver, because he doesn't have as much extension, sometimes that's harder for him. And when his opponents can get their hands on his frame, he has to work overtime to get them off. That also makes it a little bit more challenging for him to deploy certain pass rush moves and work combinations with his hands. So everything for Ed, I wouldn't say everything, but a lot of things for Ed is played close to his frame. And so there's not a whole lot of separation or extension that he's able to play with. You do see a lot of body-to-body rushes. So for a guy like Ed Oliver, he needs to be focusing on getting to the edges of blocks, blocks and using his quickness and not trying to go through the cylinder as much. And so I think Ed can be more productive if he was more deliberate about attacking the edges of blocks. And then just maybe a little bit more feel, right? A little bit more processing, feel for down blocks, feel for situations, and allowing himself to play uh, the down appropriately based on the, the down distance and scenario of the game. One other big thing here that I want to get into, and I want to share my film notes because those are still pretty fresh, but I think the Bills giving Ed Oliver this extension is a pretty clear sign of lessons learned from navigating the Tremaine Edmonds situation, but also reflecting on what's worked for them in terms of roster management previously. So what I mean by that is extending Ed Oliver initially, and even still right now as I consider it, the timing is a surprise to me. I thought there was a chance the Bills would take advantage of a contract year for Ed Oliver, see what he looks like, and then figure it out. Well, that's exactly what they did with Tremaine Edmonds, right? Playing on the fifth-year option, we'll figure it out after the season. Well, Tremaine went out there and played himself out of the Bills' price range, right? He had a great season, and the rest of the league comes knocking for him. He's paid $18 million a year from the Chicago Bears to go over there. And so you can see them applying this to Ed Oliver and saying, well, let's go ahead and get this done now. Pay him like he's the 13th best defensive tackle in the NFL and get ahead of it and not risk him blowing up and pricing himself out of being able to stay with us and we lose another high draft pick. I recognize that this is absolutely a gamble at potentially overpaying Ed Oliver. I, I fully acknowledge that. Contracts aren't, though, let's, let's be mindful of this. Contracts are not about what players have done. It's about what they're going to do. You're paying them for future production. But by doing it now, the Bills position themselves to potentially have a bargain contract with Ed Oliver. Because if Ed Oliver goes out and puts together the season, the Bills are telling us that they're capable that he's capable of having at this price point. They're expecting a lot of production, and if he has that production, maybe he after the season is staring at twenty million dollars a season, which I think is parallel to the Tremaine situation, where eh, you know last year, kind of going into the season, you thought. Maybe he's a $14, $15 million a year linebacker. No, he goes out and has the best year of his career, and he pushes for 20. So, yes, it's a gamble. But you get ahead of him having the year you expect him to have, and the contract's going to go only go up. And so you try to take advantage of the right now moment. 
And it's a gamble on both sides. Ed Oliver didn't have to say yes to this deal. He could have bet on himself, said, look, I'm going to go produce at a level that gets me up in that north of $20 million a year range, whereas his peers have been getting paid. That's very well possible with how this defensive tackle market is booming right now. The reality here, though, is the justification of this deal, this contract working out, it being a win or a good move by Brandon Bean, ultimately comes down to Ed Oliver producing at a clip, at a level of consistency, at a level of high impact that we haven't seen yet. The flashes have been really good. But I don't know that he's ever played at a level that makes me say, you know what, $17 million a year for Ed Oliver makes perfect sense. Can he? I think he can. And I think coming out of 2021, he was on that path. But obviously the injuries last year kind of prevented him from playing his best football and and really building off of 2021. I mentioned how I think that this is applying lessons learned from Tremaine and what happened there, but also reflecting back at other early extensions that the Bills gave out. The Bills are pretty notorious for this. They will pay players usually a year ahead of when their contracts expire. They don't let it play out, right? They did with Tremaine. We saw what happened. They did with Matt Milano when he was originally a free agent, and that went right up to you know, the last minute. We were nervous about the Bills losing Matt Milano, but they got him back. But they did this with with Josh Allen. Worked out great. Worked out with Trey White, Deion Dawkins, Micah Hyde, Mitch Morse, Steph Diggs, Jerry Hughes. May of 2019, they gave him that two-year contract extension. So the Bills have been successful with this kind of way of doing business. They've gotten ahead of contracts in the past, and it's been something that's worked out well for them. Now, we'll see as it relates to Dawson Knox, the most recent example, Dawson Knox, Tyler Bass, Ed Oliver, they're the next players in this list of kind of getting ahead of extensions and giving it to them the summer before their contract year. But between being mindful of the success in how it's panned out from those other early extensions that they've hand out, handed out and how things played out with Tremaine Edmonds, you can see that there's been a lesson applied here as it relates to the timing of the Ed Oliver extension. Some other random thoughts here is it, you know, as I break this down, this definitely from the team's perspective signals a huge level of comfort with Ed Oliver. And, you know, they've been going through about two months now of, workouts and OTAs and so they have a good feel for how Ed Oliver showed up for the year and his trajectory and they've had time around him and they've certainly evaluated that and said you know what let's get this deal done now nobody the deal didn't have to happen from either side of things but obviously the team is telling us very clearly that there's a huge level of comfort for where Ed Oliver's at and how they think he's going to continue to develop in this defense Speaking of the defense, the style of defense here could unlock even more of Ed Oliver as we anticipate changes with Sean McDermott taking over as the play caller and you know looking at the personnel and what they're doing at linebacker and bringing in Puna Ford and just kind of the makeup of the front seven and thinking about the style of defense that the Bills are going to play moving forward, considering some more odd fronts, 
considering some more simulated pressures, considering just being more aggressive. I think all of that is good for Ed Oliver to unlock more playmaking. So the level of comfort, the style of defense, and how Ed's going to fit into that. But also, maybe this is one of the most important talking points that I should have got to sooner than right now, but it's the replaceability. And I've brought this up as we've talked about Ed Oliver this offseason. There's a lot of people out there that are had suggested trading Ed Oliver. And I'm like, okay, like trade Ed Oliver all you want, but like who's playing three technique for this defense? And the same thing applies if you don't extend Ed Oliver. And he plays out the season and he goes sign with, signs with some other team. You're left with two options to replace him because you don't have that replacement on your team right now. You either have to go spend big dollars on somebody else, right? So you're just going to pay that money to some other player to come in. So you went ahead and just gave it to the one you know. Or you'd have to use an early draft pick on a defensive tackle. Well, we've talked about this. Defensive tackle is one of the slowest developing positions in football. And so either way, it's a gamble. You're either giving the same money, big money, to some other player, or you're going to put your eggs into a rookie and assume that the learn the curve doesn't apply to him and he can come in and produce at a high level, which is unlikely. So you had to do something here. You either extend that Oliver, you pay somebody else, or you draft one early. I think the Bills considered their options and said, you know what? Sign us up for a little bit more at Oliver. All right, folks. In just a moment, we're going to look at the outlook for the Bills at defensive tackle moving forward. They also signed wide receiver Marcel Aitman. And so I want to break that down for you here coming up after a very quick break. All right, so welcome back. Got a few more things to cover here today on the podcast. But first, I do want to remind you about the Locked On Bills subtext community. I want to invite you to join it. You can join it through the link in today's show notes. So if you're on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this podcast, there's notes. Click on them, and there'll be a link. Something new that we're offering over the last couple of weeks. Uh, here's what you get with the Lockdown Bill Subtext Community. One-on-one text conversations with me, which is easily my favorite part. Love going back and forth, talking Bills football uh, with you guys. Herd mentality priority. We have some exclusive content. I'll give you my first reaction to all Bill's news. So before I tweeted anything about Ed Oliver or put out a podcast, I I sent out a a subtext to everybody and let you kind of know my my initial thoughts. We've done some giveaways already through it. And so there's a lot of fun stuff coming through the Lockdown Bill subtext community. So check it out. Link in today's show notes. And again, nothing changes with the normal delivery of the podcast. It's not going behind a paywall. The subtext is simply an extra layer of engagement for anybody who might want it. And we're having a lot of fun. All right, so back to the Ed Oliver conversation here. I want to quickly get into the positional outlook for the Bills' defensive tackle. Kind of finished last segment talking about, well, if they didn't pay Ed, there's a replaceability conversation to have. But also, just kind of considering the makeup of the room, we can pour one out for the talking point that you know I, myself and other Bills podcasters and analysts have used, and it's that, well, The Bills have no defensive tackles on the roster signed beyond this year. Pour one out. That no longer is true at Oliver's locked up. But the same is still true for the rest of the room. You still have Daquan Jones, Puna Ford, Tim Settle, all on expiring contracts. Jordan Phillips as well. 
So those guys are all in contract years, but it's nice to know that you have at least one piece kind of figured out beyond this year. Now, I'd love to see the Bills extend Daquan Jones, but maybe there's a something for them to consider is like, let's see what we have in Puna Ford, right? And if they both perform like I think they can, you probably can't pay them both. Maybe you can, I don't know, but it's a situation where you have an opportunity to still get some contract year players at the position. And the makeup of the room looks pretty good. But you still have some quite you, you certainly have questions beyond this year with Daquan Jones, Puna Ford, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, all on expiring deals. Let's close out our conversation today by reflecting on um another new well, not another, a new addition to the Bills roster, and that's wide receiver Marcel Aitman. He's 28 years old, he turns 29 in September. Seventh round draft pick in 2018 by the Raiders out of Oklahoma State. He was part of that Oklahoma State offense with Mason Rudolph and James Washington and a pretty good unit down there. Six, four and a half, 216 pounds. So big, big receiver, a lot of length, a lot of catch radius. Not a very dynamic athlete. His RAS score is a 5.18, mid 4.6 guy in terms of the 40. Very modest athletic profile. So far, uh, in the NFL, he started 19 or he's played in 19 games. He had six starts in three seasons with the Raiders. Had a total of 20 catches for 270 yards and a touchdown from 2018 through 2021. 2022, he was on the Cardinals for three weeks in August, did not make the team. And then in 2023, he was in the XFL with the St. Louis Battlehawks. Uh, had 19 catches for 259 yards in seven games, I guess, in the most ex- most recent XFL season. I certainly remember him a lot coming out of Oklahoma State, big-bodied possession receiver. And a guy, what always bothered me about Marcel Aitman, and that's why I gave him like a late day three grade, was that he's a big receiver that didn't always play big. You know, if you're, if you're 6'4", pushing 220 pounds, like, you need to be extremely assertive and win with physicality. And I just never got that from Marcel Aitman like I would want to from a bigger bodied receiver. I think he's a total long shot to make the roster. You know, you're talking about keeping six wide receivers and and barring injury, I think your six rostered receivers are going to be Steph Diggs, Gabe Davis, Deontay Hardy, Khalil Shakir, Trent Shurfield, and, and Justin Shore. And so now Marcel Aitman's part of this group of Isaiah Coulter, Desmond Patton, Keyshawn Johnson, Tyrell Shavers, uh, Brian Thompson, Jalen Wayne, and now Marcel Aitman. Those guys are all kind of competing for, you know, maybe a couple spots on the practice squad. So we'll see how that all pans out. But to me, the interesting part of, of the move of signing Marcel Aitman is the corresponding move. And remember, as we talked about, the Bills roster is now at 90. And so anytime the Bills add a player, someone's got to be released or cut. And they released from for signing Marcel Aitman a, a position where I didn't know that they really needed more bodies at wide receiver. They got a ton of receivers on the roster. The corresponding move was releasing defensive tackle Brandon Bryant, who's been on this or not on the roster, but he's been in the mix for a while now, right? Always on the practice squad, seemingly gets called up every year at some point and plays in a regular season game. But I think the Bills 
you know, with them moving on from him right now at this point in the offseason is an indicator that they're really moving on from him, right? He's 29 years old, and, you know, it's it's probably not going to happen for him. And now they're kind of looking at this group of Ilianku, who's been around. He's been just like Brandon Bryant, but Kendall Vickers, Cortez Bryant, Broughton, DJ Dale as kind of those in competition to be on that practice squad and potentially, you know, called up and break glass in case of emergency type players. Uh, but Marcel Aitman added to the mix, Brandon Bryant no longer in the mix. And, you know, Bryant's been one of those guys that just kind of lingers around every year and finds his way on the team for a couple of games. And at this point, that doesn't look like that's going to be the case. All right, folks, there you have it. Obviously the meat and potatoes today at Oliver, the big contract extension. Um, could be a good one for the Bills. Also a gamble, right? There's there's definitely a lot of different angles and points that you can get to through this. And, and so hopefully uh, you have a good understanding for where I feel or, or how I feel about the extension after today's conversation. Looking forward to the rest of the week here on the podcast. We'll definitely get to herd mentality. Uh, OTAs will be open to the media on Tuesday, so we'll have that to reflect on Wednesday. Want to like I've been teasing for a while. Want to start looking at the Bills and comparing them to some of their biggest competition within the AFC and, of course, their AFC East rivals. So tons coming your way as we continue the daily conversation on the Buffalo Bills all year long. Whether it's the middle of October or early June, we're talking Bills football for you all year long. So make sure that you're subscribed. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.